This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here at Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on this Friday the 13th. For some time now, electric vehicles have been a fairly small part of auto sales, right around 1% or less here in the United States. People have just not considered them as much of an option for various reasons. Still, it is interesting to note that automakers still believe in their future use. Recently, both Ford and GM announced plans to increase their investment in electric vehicles, in part because of other issues, both here in the United States and abroad. Paul Eisenstein, editor of the DetroitBureau.com, which covers all things auto industry out of Detroit, joins us to discuss these moves by Ford and GM. Hello, Paul. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, so the level of concern by these automakers is partly because, from what I'm reading, possible changes by China to do away with, uh, with gas-powered engines – California may be looking at this as well. Is that is that kind of what we're seeing? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why the industry is going this direction. And uh, may I begin by just giving folks a, a bit of a sense of how things have changed in the uh, the last few months, and then we can get back to the issue of the government. Yeah. Good. All right. So so here we are. We we saw a lot of manufacturers say that they would build one or two or even five electric vehicles. We have the Chevy Bolt EV from General Motors, of course, the Nissan Leaf, which we just saw the launch of the second generation, and and others coming. Uh, But even manufacturers that said they were going to do a few are now saying they're going to do a lot. Uh, Every single vehicle that uh, Volvo will produce starting in 2018, all new models, will have uh, at least hybrid, if not plug-in or full battery electric. Uh, a number of manufacturers are, are going to this multi-pronged electrification strategy. But GM now says it will go to 100% electric. Everything will be electrified at some point, and they expect to have 20 electric vehicles in their showrooms by 2023. So the move is increasingly going to full electrification, but we'll see a period where we'll probably be phasing in hybrids, plug-ins, and by the way, also another option for zero emission, which is the hydrogen fuel cell, basically what people call a a refillable battery. But as you asked before, if you'd like to go on, let's talk about the question of why. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, Well, it's, it's a couple of things. One, even though consumers have shown very little interest so far, there are signs that they may be changing up. And and Tesla certainly is generating a lot of interest. We have, they claim, 500,000 orders in the bank for the Model 3 or 500,000 reservations. You know, they they sort of fudge the term. Right. Uh, But whatever the case, there's a lot of people looking at that Model 3. Now you have to add the factor of government. And you're right. We already have Norway and India, of all things, saying that they want – in in a matter of a decade or so, to switch entirely to electric, get rid of the internal combustion engines. And a lot of other places are looking at the same thing. That includes Britain, France, Paris in particular is looking at it, even if France itself doesn't change the rules, and Germany of all things. We're talking with Paul Eisenstein of the DetroitBureau.com. They have 
yeah, they, they, they are huge, and they have to deal with a pollution problem. Right. They've been cleaning things up, and they have a new rule that will increase the percentage of electric cars. But now they're saying maybe they have to go full electric. So that's right. a lot of weight pushing them in this direction. But you also have the, the the element of the oil industry, which obviously is has a, a very much a big stake in this. What has been the reaction, at least early on, by Ford and GM and and some other automakers making some of these moves? Uh, well, the the oil industry, as you know, has been trying to figure out how to how to look at alternatives. Uh, some of them build themselves as energy companies. Some of it's just a PR ploy. But I think some of them recognize they're going to have to find alternatives. I, I wonder going forward if if we're going to see some serious moves by these folks into other forms of energy. Now, you, you also have to remember that we have to get the electricity to power all these vehicles. And there's where the rub comes in. Mm-hmm. Because in some markets, China's a great example. Where are they going to get the electricity? Are they going to produce more coal-fired electricity? In which case, they could actually increase the pollution that they have. Uh, so not everybody is convinced that electric is the final solution, the, mm-hmm. the, the ultimate solution. I don't want to use that phrase. The ultimate <laughs> solution to, to clean energy, uh, that there may be uh, some alternatives here, and at the very least – Anybody pushing in that direction is going to have to start thinking about where they get the energy for their grid. This also, I mean, when you think about going with more and more electric vehicles, you're talking about a big investment uh, that has to be made across the United States. Uh, You need to have, obviously, the charging capability for a lot of these vehicles. And my question to you is, I mean, seemingly, this would be an opportunity, it feels like, for some of these traditional companies that own gas stations to be able to add this as a component and really kind of, in, instead of be, be concerned of having electric vehicles in the mix, actually you know, benefiting from it? Well, they potentially could. They're going to have to figure out what to do if, if they're losing millions of customers over the next 10 to 15 years. And some people say 30% of the cars on the road could be electric by 2030. Well, what are they going to do? And and here's the thing. Uh, When you talk to the experts, you get a lot of scenarios. You don't get a clear image because nobody knows how a lot of this will work. Mm -hmm. One of the questions is, what's the next generation battery? We're hearing from Toyota that they are going to launch uh, a a new generation of battery electric vehicles about 2021 as part of a partnership with Mazda. Now, here's what's really cool about that. It appears they are going to be using not lithium-ion, but a next-generation technology known as solid state. That could increase range even more than we've seen with smaller batteries, lighter, less expensive, and here's the rub. No, not, I shouldn't say the rub. Here's the really good thing. We're talking about, some people say, charging times, it could come down to 10 minutes or less. So all of a sudden, you're able to charge at a at a well pump you know the the, the modern equivalent of pump uh, about the same time it would take you to gas up all of a sudden all these things come true basically an electric vehicle is as convenient and as affordable as a regular gasoline vehicle a big a big couple of ifs there but it appears we're heading for that stage as to the charging issue uh, one of the questions will be, will people continue to charge up overnight at home, 
Or will they go back to doing it as they do now, charging it up by pulling into stations for 10 minutes or less? My own sense is it will be a combination. You'll probably plug in or use inductive charging, like those wireless charging systems that are coming out for cell phones. You pull over your mat in your garage or your driveway, and you get enough charge overnight to do 50, 60 miles, which is about what you use in a day. Yeah. And if you're doing long trips, then you'll pull into the service stations. But you won't do that as often. You might only pull into a service station for a long charge maybe every month. We're talking with Paul Eisenstein, editor of the DetroitBureau.com. Joining us on the show, we're talking about the move by Ford and GM to invest more in electric vehicles. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Love to hear from somebody out there listening to us who may have made the move to electric vehicle and what your reaction is to it, or somebody that has not and the concerns that you have of electric vehicles. Again, 844-942-7866. The other interesting piece to where we are kind of in the automotive industry right now is that we are back in this truck SUV craze here in the U.S. So mm-hmm. if, if that kind of ha- has length to it and it continues to run out, how will that impact the potential want of automakers where electric vehicles are concerned? You know, it's very interesting that the first fully electric or battery electric vehicle to come from Audi will be an SUV. And the first from Jaguar will be an SUV, the so-called I-PACE, which will make its debut and deliver somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 miles per charge next year. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, SUVs, because they're a little bit bigger, they have a big platform, uh, there's more room to store the batteries. So in, in some cases, you could wind up with better range out of an SUV than you do out of one of these little battery cars. Hmm. Well, then if that's the case, then, I mean, it feels like then we could see a, a potential significant shift. But is there something in the mind of the consumer that is just kind of holding that back to a degree? Yeah, absolutely. And I've talked with a number of manufacturers recently uh, about this switch. And the biggest thing that they worry about isn't the technology, even though it's not there yet. They know it's coming. Uh, these, these solid state batteries, everybody is now saying it's right on the horizon. They really sure. believe it as opposed to a year ago when they said, ah, it's five years off, but it'll always be five years off. Now they're saying it really is in line. Uh, but the real question is, will consumers accept it? If, if Tesla were to go away in a year or so. Let's say they have problems as they're already running into building the Model 3. They're not, they're not getting it to work so far, right. and they're going to have some real problems. Uh, but let's say, let's say they start to get it together, but then get overwhelmed by the competition. You know, VW's investing $20 billion yeah. in electrification. Well, the reality is, if nothing else, Tesla's done a good job of starting to tell people that battery electric vehicles can be fun and can be cool. And you hope that that'll rub off on the rest of the industry. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about Tesla anyway, because uh, they are they are a company that it's interesting in the marketplace in terms of the numbers that they're producing. Obviously, not huge numbers like the you know the traditional automakers would, but that Model Three seemingly was the car that really had the opportunity to take them to that next step because you're talking about you know a, a sedan something that you know a lot of people uh are used to even though sedan sales are are, are quote unquote down right now that was the car that i think a lot of people believed could be a a game changer for tesla one because of the cost 
Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're down to barely $30,000 when you add in uh, the federal tax incentives, even less uh, if you get the state incentives that are available in a few places. Uh, and Chevrolet Bolt EV also is in that price range. And the Nissan, uh, with their new uh, second-generation Leaf, is going to be under $30,000. So all these are starting to change the financial equation. Not enough yet. And there are still drawbacks. They know that people still have range anxiety, even though we're starting to see the longer-range vehicles. And part of that is because, you know, if you're going to do a long con- uh, cross-country trip, uh, yeah, okay, you, get, you may be able to get 200 or even 300 miles range with some of these vehicles, but right. you still have to find a charging station, and it's still going to take you quite a while to charge up. So these are all issues that consumers are still worried about. But Tesla is getting the message across that you can get longer range, and charging is faster with their new uh, superchargers. And here's the thing that I think is really connected with people. You can make battery cars that look cool, not like science fiction, you know, like science class projects. Right. Uh, and they're quick. I mean, Tesla, the Tesla P, uh, Model S P100D, their top model, will launch with the optional ludicrous mode from 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. Oh, jeez. That's about the same as the 840-horsepower Dodge Challenger Demon, the most powerful factory-built sports car, uh, muscle car ever launched. Uh, You mentioned about VW and the investment that they are uh, making. What is the state of of electric vehicles and, and the growth of them with other global automakers? Um, well, again, the numbers are small, but they're growing. As a matter of fact, just before we got on the air, I, I saw a news release that came across my wire from uh, BMW. They uh, they have been seeing a big surge in the number of ele- battery electric vehicles they're selling uh, and plug-ins and regular hybrids as well. Uh, the numbers are growing. They, they slipped last year, I think, uh, it, with the real collapse of gas prices. I think a lot of people pulled away. But now that you're starting to see longer range, higher performance vehicles, and more of them, you're starting to see more buyers starting to connect. And I I really do, again, give a lot of credit to Tesla Mm -hmm. for nothing else, if nothing else, for making that whole thing seem cool. But it's also the fact that you're getting a lot more vehicles out there. There's a lot more hybrids, a lot more plug-ins, and we're about to see an absolute flood of pure battery electric vehicles. I wrote a story just recently on the DetroitBureau.com in which I previewed the 20-some BEVs that I know of. And somebody I know uh, who's deeper into the industry said worldwide we could see over 200 by 2021 or 22. Paul Eisenstein of the DetroitBureau.com joining us. So, I mean, do you believe that we are going to, if, if you go out 25 years, we are going to see a significant shift in what the use of electric vehicles is here in the United States? Uh, worldwide, yes. And here's, yeah. I'll take you one step further. By 2030, we are going to see a significant portion of the American public every day driving around in, or being driven in, if you prefer, electrified, autonomous, or fully driverless vehicles operated by ride-sharing companies. We are standing on the cusp of the most significant revolution in transportation since Henry Ford 
made an affordable automobile. That's a big statement, Paul. That's that's a huge shift that we're going to see. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely huge. I've seen numbers, by the way, that suggest that the number of people who will travel, the miles that we will travel uh, by 2030 in electrified or uh, driverless rideshare vehicles is as high as 90 percent. I don't yeah. buy that number. Yeah. But I do think the numbers that uh, came from uh, Boston Consulting Group uh, a few months ago is probably directionally correct. As much as a third of the miles that the average person will travel by 2030 will be in driverless, electrified uh, rideshare vehicles. And and uh, you've got to understand how it all comes together. Right. Electric vehicles are very cheap to maintain. If the batteries last, there's not much else. There are very few moving parts. So these vehicles can run virtually forever. Ride-sharing uh, is already catching on. But if we get to the stage where driverless technology really works, you take the driver out of the vehicle, the cost of using a ride-sharing service should drop to substantially below what it would cost you to own a vehicle. Right. So that's why that combination is what we may be seeing as the norm not the exception as we go into the 21st century. Paul, thanks very much. Greatly appreciate your time. All the best. Good to be with you. Thank you. Paul Eisenstein of the DetroitBureau.com. Second hour of Knowledge of Wharton coming up here in just a minute here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 